Hello, welcome to episode 14 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill, and this episode is called Close Enough Encounters of the Fifth Kind. <laughs> so before we start, I, I was talking on the last video about Egypt. I don't want to give the impression that uh, just because every day there was somebody who was sort of grifting me on the street doesn't mean that everybody in Egypt are grifters. Now, I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm just trying to be as accurate as I can. I talked with tons of people every day, and the vast majority of the people that I encountered, I believe, were sincere in being welcoming and friendly and just nice people. I mean, as nice or nicer than anybody you'd come across, probably nicer than people you'd come across in the street in Toronto, because Toronto is a pretty caustic <laughs> at times in different areas. And, you know, I didn't know what neighborhoods were good and what neighborhoods weren't good in Cairo. So, you know, who knows what uh, some of the, they looked pretty sketchy, but, you know, I just want to clear the, uh, clear that before we carry on that the majority of the people I came across with, I came across, came across. Yeah. The majority of the people I came across, I came across from, no, just came across. The majority of the people I came across were very friendly, uh, welcoming, nice people the citizens of Cairo. Um, but there <laughs> there was a lot of scammers. I mean, more so than I've come across in any other city. So even though the, the general population seemed to be more friendly, the there is a, a, an insidious uh, sort of number of people uh, in, you know, creeping around the streets. And I think maybe that's why it was easier to get duped because there were so many people, it was hard to keep your guard up. So many friendly, nice people. It's hard to keep your guard up. It's hard to think that, well, you know, you talk to that person, they seem nice. Well, okay, they're not trying to rip me off. You know, whatever, have a nice day kind of thing, right? You have these sort of, you know, short brief encounters with people. And so when you come, you know, you have these many short brief encounters with people and then all of a sudden there's, they, they you know, you realize, oh, this is a scammer. This guy's scamming me or trying to scam me. And some of them are pretty spooky. There was uh I don't know if I should go into a couple incidents. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the, the one, we were at the pyramids of Giza. And uh, you're not allowed. It's illegal to climb on the pyramids. And there was police stationed like every, I don't know, maybe every 100 feet along the base of the pyramid, right? So, we're, we're, all right, nowhere near me. Okay, so what was I talking about? The... Uh, yeah, so at the pyramids, the police were, were uh, stationed about every maybe 100 feet along the base of uh, one of the pyramids. And so we were standing there, my wife and I, and we were, uh, you know, taking pictures of each other in front of the pyramid. And these two cops came up to us and said, hey, would you like to, you know, go on the pyramid? We'll take pictures of you on the pyramid. And I'm like, are you sure? Because you're not supposed to. And they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. No problem. You know, we're police. It's good. Go ahead. Give us your camera. So I'm like, all right. So I gave him the camera and... uh and he says, like, go up, go up, go higher, climb higher, higher, go up. So we climbed up, you know, a few more blocks. And it was kind of cool to have your picture taken on the pyramids, right? So chick, 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 these guys took, I don't know, the, the camera was on automatic. So I don't know how these guys managed to take so many blurry photos. But they must have been moving and shaking the camera when they were taking the pictures. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so we climbed back down. And then the guy's like, okay, now back sheesh. You know, you got to give me some money. And so the implication was now, I think, that he was going to charge me for going on the uh, the pyramids if I didn't pay him. <laughs> so, you know, police, here you go, right? Who are you going to call? 
So I, I reached in my pocket that has had, you know, maybe uh, the equivalent of a couple dollars. So I just gave it to him. You know, I figured, well, it's just back sheesh. This is all he's getting, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away kind of thing. And these two guys were like, no, 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 no. You, you, there might have been three of them. For sure, too, at least. Anyways, they're like, no, no, no. You, you got to give us more. So I pulled, I literally reached in my pants and pulled my pockets inside out. And I held my hands out like Jesus. And I'm like, I don't have any more money, buddy. I'm not going to give you any more. I didn't bring any more to the stinking pyramids, right? And so uh, there was another cop stationed maybe another 100 feet up, and he saw what was going on. So he started blowing his whistle and yelling at these other cops. So they scrammed. They beat it. So I'm thinking, what were these guys going to do if that other cop, who happened to be a decent guy, wasn't, you know, <laughs> blowing the whistle all? Because it was obvious to him. You know, my pockets are turned out inside out. My hands are out, and I'm shaking my head and shrugging my shoulders. So obviously he knew. And I'm sure I wasn't the first person these guys did this to. So anyways, so that's the police. <laughs> I mean, if, if this is how the police are acting, you know, you can imagine, you know, some other people. <laughs> anyways, uh, and there was another very insidious, scary situation, actually. We were walking and this, this guy was trying to get us to go to this friendly market, he called it. We were trying to go to the Cairo Tower. And he's like, no, 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 that's closed to you. That's closed to foreigners. That's only open today for, it's a special holiday. It's only open for for Egyptians today. It's not open for you. But there's a market, there's great deals today because of this, you know, this holiday we're having today. And it's called the friendly market. Come on, it's just over here, right? And I'm like, no, nah, man, thanks. <laughs> See you later, buddy, right? So we we walk to the tower anyways, right? And we go up and we look. And so uh, we asked the the locals that worked there, you know, what's what's this, this friendly market? And they're like, what? We've never heard of no friendly market. And I said, yeah, it's supposed to be a few blocks up over there. And they're like, there's nothing over there, dude. So we went up the tower and we looked, but, you know, there's nothing there. Like, so it was just alleys. So I don't know where this guy would have led us if, you know, we, if we would have allowed him to. You know, we probably would have been, you know, uh, hogtied and, you know, sent to some who knows where. I don't know. Anyways, or maybe just mugged. Who knows? But, uh. Yeah, so there's, but that one was pretty obvious, but, and then there were guys who'd co- show up and say, hey, you know, where are you, fr- where are you from, America? And no, no, Canada. Oh, wow, yeah, and then they pull out ID. Yeah, my girlfriend's in Canada. Oh, yeah? Here's, here's her, here's her Canadian tire card, and, and here's her, a bunch, of, we got a bunch more Canadian ID, and I'm thinking, holy shit, motherfuckers. Your girlfriend's not going to give you her Canadian tire card. Obviously, you mugged some Canadians, stole their wallets, and now you're flashing their ID to us to try to lower my defenses because you're friendly to Canadians. You're dating a Canadian. I could give a fuck if you're actually Canadian, motherfucker. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me, you know? So there's, there's that kind of shit too, right? So, I mean, those guys are pretty obvious, but then there's the, you know, the, the more subtle, insidious. I mean, you go to the market, you're expecting people, and that's just more of a game, right? They're having fun. They're like, hey, you know, trying to sell you stuff. And, you know, you can't do it too seriously it's it's more they're not really scamming you they're just trying to sell you shit for as much as they can get right it's not quite the same as what these other people were doing anyways that's enough of uh my 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 egypt correction so today uh, we're gonna be talking about uh perception i guess perception is is and how you perceive things sort of just a a reflection on some of the things we talked about earlier in other maybe that's what i should call this podcast episode reflections <laughs> on previous podcasts so uh yeah perception is paramount how you uh how you look at things changes everything and, and it's not uh, colors or sounds of how you how you see things but it's the the entirety of how you perceive reality it, it's it's uh 
fact, not emotion. It is sort of coloring, but not colors. It's a it's a framework of, of objective reality. And it's it's uh what the fuck am I talking about here? Okay, so yeah, there's there are different ways. There are different ways we subjectively perceive reality. And I mean there's it's there are not intrinsically how an individual perceives is not intrinsically less accurate than any other way because there is no other way to perceive things than subjectively. You know, there is objective truth and objective reality that we all share, but there is no way to view things objectively. We try to view things objectively, but we, no matter what we do, we're still experiencing things subjectively from our perspective, right? So no, no subjective uh, viewpoint is intrinsically like it's it's not automatically less accurate just because it's from a different viewpoint you know if view a sees you know uh you know uh, a tower the, the the what do you call that thing in paris the eiffel tower if you're looking at the eiffel tower from one perspective right it's not less accurate to go and look at it from a different perspective they're just two perspectives the objective truth is that there's the tower there but the subjective view from one way and the subjective view from the other way right so Perceiving something isn't quite the same as your perspective. I, I know it sounds like it is, but it's not. Like if you're looking, if you have two different people going back to, say, the Eiffel Tower, you have two different people looking at the Eiffel Tower, one from the north side and one from the west side. And so they have two different perspectives of that tower. But how they perceive that tower, you could have two people standing shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, and they will perceive it differently depending on their mood and and their you know schemata how they perceive things right so perception isn't just perspective it isn't just from your vantage point your physical vantage point in space it's that that that's not the only thing that affects it that's it's it's your mental your mood right how your your mind perceives things that is radically different from your even though they're both called perspectives you know my my subjective perspective yeah okay that is different and and that's the thing so we just need to recognize that every person no matter what they do views things subjectively and even the same person who looks at the same thing in a different mood will see it differently it's like when you watch a movie depending on what mood you're in right you you might enjoy a movie at one stage in your life and then at another point you might look at that movie and say this movie is horrible how did i ever like this right different it's the same movie the movie hasn't changed you've changed so perspectives aren't really just from like i'm talking about the mental perspectives there's probably a term for this. I have no idea what it is, but so we we all have subjective perspectives, and all our subjective perspectives have flaws. We all have you know flaws of reasoning and and bias that adds uh, garbage and junk data to our uh, our data flow, our perception of objective reality. How we see things are colored by our moods and and this this coloring is is adding junk data depending on your mood as per the uh what was that one type of priming um uh, when you prime somebody with uh with uh, good deeds the good deed priming i can't remember what it's called but you know when you when you give somebody 
something and then they'll they'll actually become temporarily blind to negative things negative motivations and they will be more apt to see positive ones well see you're perceiving things differently based on your your mood and that's being manipulated by somebody else so we need to realize that we perceive things differently based on these things we can we don't view things the same even though it feels like you're the same you're seeing everything the same but we're not So does our perception control our mood or does our mood control how we perceive things? Well, ultimately, we ultimately control our mood. You know, we could steer it to different directions or we can allow it to wallow in whatever, you know, that's you steering it into the wallowing. It's our steering to whatever. You, we are ultimately in control of the direction that our mood's going. And our moods control, our mood controls how we perceive things. And our perceptions feedback to affect and steer our mood. So it's all like interconnected, right? But we can always steer. We could sort of steer it back on a different direction. So if you start getting all, if you're some, you know, pissy, shitty mood, that's on you, right? Things happen to everybody all the time. You can allow yourself to steer down into that or you could not, right? You know, everybody has stuff that pisses them off, right? It's how you deal with it that counts, right? So... Do nice, happy moods bias our perceptions as much as the, you know, negative moods? Well, yeah. Like we said before about uh, we, I, like I said earlier about how uh, there's that type of priming where you, where you give people good, good, you know, the good deed uh, priming, whatever it's called. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, so it, that, this begs the question. So what is the most objective and accurate mood you can be in? you know, to perceive things with the least amount of bias. If you're, you know, if you could be primed to miss negative things and only see, you know, positive things more than you normally would. And then when you're in a, like a really negative mood, you might not, you know, perceive things accurately either. So at what, what stage? So you'd kind of think, well, somewhere in the middle. So somewhere with less emotion, right? So there you go. How do you, now, I don't know. This is, I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Maybe you could be just as inaccurate uh, if you don't have much emotion. I don't think so, though. I think, you know, the whole Spock thing, right? I think there's some validity to that. So we aren't at the, we aren't at the mercy of our, of our subjective biases. You know, we could, you think, well, this person's biased that way. They're wired that way. Well, yeah, but we have a thing called neuro, we have a thing called neuroplasticity. You know, our brains are plastic. Even as adults, you know, they used to say, oh, your brain, you know, you can learn stuff when you're a kid. And then when you get old, it's like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that, that's, we've learned that that's not true. <laughs> you can learn things your entire age. You can learn stuff. It's just your brain might be a little less plastic, but it's still plastic. You can still learn a lot of things. I mean, we never really stop learning, right? Some people refuse to take in new information, you know, but uh, yeah, we always could always learn. So what we could do is we could recognize our, you know, if you have any kind of biases, if you're realizing that, well, I'm making an error in judgment there. That's not right. You could recognize that. You could analyze it and you could make proper corrections. You know, assuming your goal is to, you know, perceive objective reality as accurately as possible. And you might think, well, this seems pretty, you know, this is pretty straightforward. I mean, this is common sense. Who wouldn't want this? Well, I agree. This is. But when you talk to people, and you talk to them about things that they don't, like politics, especially politics or religion or any kind of these belief things. A lot of people like to 
they don't they're lazy thinkers so they like to just grab onto whatever that is and then i'm gonna believe whatever that they tell me to believe because i don't want to have to worry about that stuff i want to think about other stuff so this is what you know i'm i'm uh, you know this type of politics and this type of religion or not you know and and then they, that's that's what i am i don't want to think about it right and you put your head in a you live in a little bubble and uh and uh, a lot of people do that. Like you talk to people and, and they live in this false bubble where their head is buried in the sand, you know, and they're no safer from danger. You know, burying your head in the sand and ignoring danger uh, doesn't protect you from danger. <laughs> you know, you could hope in vain, you know, that, you, that you'll avoid danger by ignoring it. But, you know, n- nowhere in the history of humanity has anyone been protected from danger simply by ignoring it or pretending it doesn't exist. This, this, it's, it's not a prudent plan. So this is, uh, you know, certainly a path to great injury or destruction. It's, it's, it's like running through the woods with your eyes closed and pretending the trees aren't going to hit you. Well, you might be right. The trees aren't going to hit you. You're going to hit the trees. <laughs> you know, you know, life is a lot more fun if you open your eyes and you duck and dodge and you, and you deke around the trees as you run, you know, as opposed to running with your eyes closed and running into the fucking trees. You know, but so many people you talk to want to be in their bubbles. They want to bury their head in the sand. They don't want to think about it. Right. Uh, you know, I get it. You know, they want to live their, their happy little life. Right. Who doesn't? But there's dangers to doing that. And this is, this is the problem. Just because you, you pretend, you know, there's no danger doesn't mean there isn't danger. So this is, uh, it's, again, it's not a prudent plan to pretend it doesn't exist or just try to like, oh, I'm not going to think about it. Well, you can go ahead, go take a run in the woods with your eyes closed. So what does this mean? This means, you know, in order to live in the most enjoyable, I sound like one of these fucking, uh, you know, uh, What's that dude with the big teeth? Oh, what's that guy? These self-help idiots. Anyways, but the deal is, you know, everybody, we all want to live an enjoyable life, the most enjoyable life you can live. And what is enjoyable? Well, it's, you know, to be, uh, to have things right, correct, you know, comfortable, right? And, and a little energy uh, gives a big return on comfort and, you know, a pleasant life. This doesn't mean blind work for the sake of work. It means putting your energy and time into things that, you know, will facilitate a more pleasant life for you. You know, you could do mental exercises, you know, thinking about things, reading or, you know, like listening to this podcast. This is one of the greatest things you could do for your mind. (laughs) Of course, there's like physical exercise. You know, if you don't want to be, you know, if you want to have energy, right, you you need to, you know, eat well, you know. But you don't need to eat that well. Like, it doesn't mean starving yourself and eating only certain things, you know. You can eat, you know, everything in moderation, right? Same with exercise. It doesn't mean, you know, you need to go to the gym five days a week, four hours a day, you know. In fact, I think you might have very minimal return for doing that. And then, of course, you got to play. And then, of course, there's the doing. Just doing things that make things better, you know. And it's whatever that is for you, you know, plan and then execute that plan. Of course, there's subjectivity, you know, and uh, better may not be objectively better from all perspectives, but there there may not be uh, an objective better. In fact, there, there probably, there shouldn't be. I don't think there is an objective better because, 
better is subjective. You know, the term better is from, you know, somebody's perspective. There is no objective better. There might be a better, you know, is there a better where everyone agrees this is, you know, this would be better? Well, probably not. I don't think so. No, there's not. Why? Because some people choose to like down simply because other people choose to like up. So (laughs) there's going to be, and I think this is a good thing. I think it's good to have these people who do that. And I think it's good to have all the varying opinions of, of what's, you know, what's better and what's not better, you know, so we can, instead of, you know, we can explore all avenues as opposed to being stuck in some collectivist, uh, collectivist group think rut of terror, you know, horror of error, right? Error, terror, and horror, right? That's, you get in this collective groupthink rut where everybody thinks the same. That's, that's one of the most dangerous, dangerous ways to be. We need to have voices of dissent, voices of opposition. And that means we need to have voices that you disagree with. And that means, you know, I disagree with that. Everybody, you know, we, these are very valuable voices. If everybody agrees, they're useless idiots, you know, now it doesn't mean that just because everybody agrees that thing is wrong, you know, but I mean, there are, it's good to have these voices of dissent and where there, and where there aren't voices of dissent, you know, which has happened to humanity every time a new successful religion appears, you know, you get the, the group think the, the collective, uh, ideology of religion. And today it happens to be <clears throat> not religion. It happens to be uh, a sort of a woke ideology that is spread like and exactly the same as a religion where people will choose to literally ignore reason and they're actually arguing against reason. And it, it's all the same tactics that all the, any religion in the past has used. If there are many different betters out there, uh, you know, conflicting views that will help steer us, you know, the closer to an objective, the objective framework that is universal truth. You know what I mean? If, if this person thinks this is right and that person's thing, you know, if you have a million different people all just sort of disagreeing and then there are, the truth will sort of filter itself out, but we can't have a, a, a branch that just keeps growing and growing and growing. We sort of, Got to go back to the trunk. I don't know how to make a good analogy for this, but but if you think about it, most most humans in the right conditions become thinkers. We we all we all become thinkers. You know, pothead philosophers, right? You always hear about that, you know, and it's true. And and those of us who aren't too busy with the tedious parts of life, like finding food and shelter, will at certain times ponder. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why manipulators want to keep us or keep their targets very busy because, you know, because humans reflect and generally will eventually detect bullshit. If you sit back and you're thinking about something and you're like, you know what, that that's not right that that happens, right? And if you don't have time to th- sit back and think about it, then you're not going to notice it. So if you're too busy, that's sort of what they want. And that's one of the things that cult leaders and, you know, uh, manipulators try to do. They try to keep people busy or distracted, even, you know, illusionists and magicians, you know, they're all the same as cult leaders and scumbags, right? They all want you distracted. So you don't have time to think grifters, all of them, all the scumbags, of the world, they all want you distracted and not thinking about their bullshit. They want you thinking about what they want you to think about, not their bullshit, not that they're bullshitting you. Right. So we're, we're a philosophical species, I think. And given trends, the, the trends of how our society is going, I think we're on the, the threshold of some philosophical awakening. 
you know, if, if, if they do have this uh, universal income and AI takes over and there's no jobs for anybody and they don't kill us all off, those who aren't killed off are going to be, you know, have a lot of free time to think. And this is dangerous to, uh, to uh, manipulators and, and, you know, a, uh, an establishment that's based on bullshit, right? So, you know, the internet with its great bullshit detector has removed a lot of the lower hanging fruit of, of bullshit. And, you know, but the grandmaster manipulators, you know, they're, they're smart rats, right? They think fast, they utilize all available tools and they act fast. So the, the, the internet is just a tool. And so it's, it's, it's now being utilized heavily by the manipulator establishment at, you know, all degrees, you know, from clickbait scams to, you know, legacy media, PR damage control campaigns and politicals of, of all stripes, right? What do I keep saying? Right. A manipulator establishment that's based on the foundation of bullshit, uh, a foundation of bullshit, uh, would try to stop people from having the time and resources for contemplation. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? And all, you know, brainwashing, uh, you know, tropes similar to that, right? On a grand scale, the manipulator uh, establishment will push spectacle, distraction, you know, large sports events for men and royal events and, and you know, soap opera drama for, for women, you know, stereotypically speaking. Fake news, emotional injustices and the like would, would further, you know, their goal of keeping focused on the wrong things. What can you and I do? What can I do, you ask? Well, we can recognize their tactics and call them out and use all tools necessary to keep control over the government establishment, keep the people in control, which is difficult today because the 1% billionaire class have the resources to manipulate the government and the establishment to their own greedy ends. How many people become and stay billionaires with, who don't have greed as their main motivation? Like there are anomalies, I'm assuming. Like I don't know much about Elon Musk. I don't know his personal motivations. But he seems to be motivated by a desire to keep humanity alive. Maybe that's a form of greed, right? He's, he wants to try to, you know, keep our species, you know, alive on different planets in case of, you know, some meteorite hitting this planet or whatever or AI taking over, there are inadvertent benefits to humanity due to the rabid greed of certain individuals, you know, the ones who become, who are so greedy that they become billionaires and they have that much drive due to greed. (laughs) They want to just keep destroying their competition and right, they just, they just want to rule the world, right? So these, there's benefits to our society. You know, if you take a look at, uh, you know, Microsoft, you know, it's a, it's a crappy operating system with so many, it seems to be intentional flaws, right? It's, it has benefited humanity due to the increased efficiencies of a paperless world. Would that have happened? Some other operating system come around? Probably, you know, I think there's sort of a time is right. And if this person didn't do it, somebody else would have come up with a different operating system. You know, there were other operating systems. Uh, there, well, of course, Unix, and then of course, Unix had so many spinoffs. Like we have uh, Linux, right? Torvald wasn't Linus Torvald or whatever. Is that the guy's name? Right? He made uh, Linux. Linux? I call it Linux. I don't know if it's Linux or Linux. Linux. Anyway, so that's that's a great operating system, right? So uh, we don't need 
Gates uh, and his operating system. It's in fact we should probably try to get rid of it at this point. But uh, there are there were inadvertent benefits to our humanity, you know, due to the drive and greed by people like Gates. You know, he's a he's a dropout pirate of Silicon Valley. You know, and now he's telling us about viruses you know, and pandemics. How is he an ex- expert on that? How does this make him an expert on pandemics, right? Don't go to school if you want to be an expert on pandemics. Just be a ruthless piece of shit with no moral compass. And then apparently you'll be an expert in vi- virology and CNN and all these other legacy media losers will put you up and, and cite you as if you're an expert somehow. How? Jesus. You got to wonder, how did these guys succeed? I don't think, you know, the uh, Bill Gates and Elon Musk and these guys, you know how they succeed. There's not some, you know, mystical, there's not some mystical, uh, you know, consciousness, I don't think, or, you know, angels and whatever, uh, you know, that are steering them or giving them benefits for helping, helping humanity or, you know, because... A lot of these people are evil. Right? They seem pretty, and that seems to have no difference on their success. So it seems to be more of a broad strokes kind of thing, you know, for for objective rally. You know, if, if you run, you will be faster at running. If you type, you will be faster at typing. If you create, a, you know, a successful business, you know, it's, it's like a long tail, right? You'll be wealthy. And if there's, you know, 10,000 people or a million people all trying to start different creative businesses or creative trying to create businesses, there's bound to be some that are successful and some that are not. And there'd be the majority of them won't be. And the ones that are, doesn't mean that they were clairvoyant or had special skills or, you know, some, you know, secret sauce helping them out. It's just more probability. You know, that's, that's the whole point of having different points of view and different people having different perspectives and different betters, right? With all these different betters, people think, well, I think this would be better if I did it this way. So I'm going to maybe start a business. I'm going to do it that way because I think it's better. And if they're right, they will succeed. And if they're not, they won't, right? There's been history. There's all kinds of businesses that are better ideas and the businesses don't succeed for, you know, reasons, you know, conflicting management. You have too many, too many, uh, too many chiefs and not enough Indians, right? There's not enough everybody wants to be in control or whatever, right? And there's no, nobody actually doing the business. And, you know, the, so businesses, I think, seem to be run better if it's run, you know, from a single point source, like a, like a dictatorship kind of thing. Does it mean, well, yeah, it does mean that, you know, the, it's my way or the highway, right? That's the point of a business. But the problem now is we have these my way or the highway businesses that are controlling, they're bigger than governments and they're controlling our society. We got the Googles, we got the, you know, the alphabet or whatever they call it. They own ABC and they own ABC. They own uh, Google and YouTube and all that stuff, right? And then you got Apples and you got the Amazons and you got all these people that are, you know, pushing their my way or the highway, Twitter, you got Jack Dorsey, the scumbag, right? The guy is so biased. It's disgusting, right? And I don't know if he sees it as he's sincere and not seeing how biased he is, or is, I think it might be more sinister than that. I think he, he knows how biased he is and he just doesn't give a fuck. Fuck you. My way or the highway. This is my platform. You want to come on my platform, get on your knees and do what I tell you, right? If not, fuck off. I'm going to fucking, you know, anyways, but this is the problem. This is a problem when we have corporations that are that large. I think that's the whole point of monopoly. 
you know, Monopoly, the game was a warning, right? We can't have monopolies. We need to have competition is fantastic. Fant- competition is what creates, you know, innovation, Right? When you get these monopolies, like the Bill Gates type people that try to destroy competition, right? These are the, the, the scummiest pieces of shit on the planet. And, you know, here they are lecturing us, right? These are the guys that need their knees chopped off, right? They, they need their companies broken up. They need, you know, and you say, well, you can't, they're competing against China. They're competing against, the, they're globalists. They're all over. We could chop them up in, you know, in different nations. And you want to go in whatever rural Africa or rural, you know, Asia, go nuts. Right? That's their problem, you know. But I think, uh, you know, as nations, you need to have restrictions to control these monsters in, in, our, uh, in, our, in our nations in order to keep the power from these my way or the highway type psychopaths who are, you know, CEOs, right? They typically, I think you need to be a psychopath to be at that level where you just, I think they, they thrive on destroying their competition. You know, they're like, yes, crush them. You know what I mean? They don't care about all those people losing their jobs and, you know, they could give a fuck, right? In fact, they might even, they might even enjoy knowing that these people are losing their jobs. It's almost like the Trudeau government. I think they're, they're getting off and knowing that, oh, those soccer moms, they can't afford gas now. We're going to jack up that price of gas and put more taxes on there. Screw those little people over. Oh yeah. I think these people are that sick. I think they are that twisted. These fucking psychos that are in government and CEOs, right? They, they're, they are not, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're the normal humans and idiots like me that have, you know, some kind of stupid values. It's holding me back. Maybe I'm the one that's flawed. I shouldn't be, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be, I should be more psychopathic. Maybe I've been brainwashed, you know, to give a shit and not want to see other people suffer in agony, you know, not enjoy it like these pieces of shit do, right? So who knows? It's too late now. I'm an old fart, still in my 40s, but getting up there. Anyways, what was I talking about? Went off my ranting you know, people can argue that, you know, it's a greater good and, you know, there is a, you know, better, I what they think is better is, you know, objectively better, even though there is no, I don't think there's an, an objective better because it all depends on your perspective, right? You want to put a highway in, is that better? Well, it's not better for the forest that you're bulldozing and the animals that live there, right? So, I mean, what's your perspective? You know, is it human perspective only? Okay, maybe, right? But uh, maybe, uh, maybe we're just a virus, you know, and our contemplations about the universe and quantum physics and all that stuff is just arrogant hubris, you know. You know, being a contemplative species, you know, we come up with these ideas, you know, we have these epiphanies. And, you know, if you write stuff down, it seems to, you know, your thoughts, you know, you you're, you manifest ideas. When you started writing, you didn't have that complete idea. You start writing things out and you sort of formulate this idea as you're writing. So... Only after the work of, of thinking, you know, do, do, does our epiphanies manifest. Now, I'm not sure if that's the right definition of the word epiphany. I know there's like a religious one, and I'm not thinking, I'm thinking of epiphany as like, you know, eureka. Oh, I had an, an epiphany, an idea, a, a new, you know, concept popped into my head, right? But it seems to be those don't just appear. It's usually you got a bunch of little ideas that sort of you string together you know, it's and then you you work on it, you work on it, and then eventually you come up with a, with a, a new idea, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And that happens a lot when you write. 
you write stuff down, you're like, wow, you know, I, did, I, would, I didn't realize that when I started writing. This is, you know, it's pretty bizarre, right? It, it's like taking a shit, you know, you're left with a turd as a reward for all that work, right? So are we living, are we living in a, uh, are we living in a close enough universe, you know, a close enough encounters, you know, thoughts, concepts, ideas, you know, they tend to reveal themselves end first, you know, it starts at the end and then it, you know, it finishes with a big reveal. Like I was just saying, you, you start, you don't know, right? And then you start writing down that and it sort of unfolds end first. You know, it's like some uh, parallel time dimension, you know, and you're reading it backwards, right? So, you know, it makes you think is, is our subconscious, does our subconscious have the complete idea? And when you're writing and thinking about it, it sort of appears, you know, and you're just reading it last in, first out. Or is it just a process of thinking, you know, that allows our thoughts to form, like building a model out of clay or, or creating any anything? We always start at nothing and, and finish, you know, at the, the completed whole. This makes, you know, you think, well, that makes sense. You know, when you build a house, you start, you know, with a field and you finish with a house. But this is not the same as an idea. Because when you, when you start building a house, you don't start digging a hole and say, well, maybe I'll put a floor here. Mm, I got put the, no, I'll put a wall there. No, you have the complete idea of what the house is going to look like before you start digging the ground, right? So the idea is not the same as building stuff. You know, some, you know, maybe if you're making a, you know, a clay uh, sculpture, you pretty much have an idea of what you're going to make before you make it. You're going to make a, you know, a human sculpture or a horse or, you know, gorilla, whatever you're going to make. Usually you think you're going to, what you're going to make before you make it. But that's not what happens with, with thoughts or concepts that we, we formulated. They sort of, these little chunks plop out, plop, plop, plop as fragments that, that appear and, and they, they seem related but related to what? Like you don't know, you don't even really know, right? And then the, the, it's like related to what the previous one was. So it, it's more like a trip. It's, it's it's like a dream when you have all these sort of fragments, you know, these random thoughts, they're, they're, they're chunks and, and you notice something, well, this is sort of related to that and that's sort of related to that. And then at the end you have this completed thing, this completed concept, you know, and I guess it depends on how creative your mind, your mind is, right? And so if, if you can make a connection between something that's pretty far out and, uh, you know, so probably that's why more creative people come up with more creative ideas because they can make connections from this random noise in their head to, to something that they started with. So you start with A and then there's a bunch of random noise and you could sort of jump from A to B and then, you know, from B there's a bunch more random noise and it sort of looks like a C. So you jump to that one. Right. And then this, but if you don't, if you're not creative and you can't see the connection, well, then you're stuck at A, right? And this is what happens with groupthink. I don't think it's uh, like really creative people. The more creative somebody is, you know, do they see connections that are out of the normal? Well, yeah, I think normal being what everybody else, you know, because then it's not creative. You're just repeating what somebody else said, right? If you're going to, what's the word, synthesize. If you're going to take in some some information and create something new from that information, if you're going to synthesize some new information, right, come up with a new concept, Right. It's, uh, it is out of the normal. It's because if it wasn't out of the normal, it's just what everybody else does. And then that's, you know, repetition. That's groupthink. If you're going to say what other people say, you're participating in groupthink. Not to say that that's wrong. You know, repeating what somebody else said is not a wrong thing. I mean, there's a lot of great thinkers or not even great thinkers, just 
average Joes on the street come up with a really lot of, you know, funny things or good ideas. You're like, wow, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of innovation out there that does, goes unrecognized. A lot of people who can, you know, slap things together with uh, toothpicks and elastic bands. You're like, wow, that is pretty creative. Nobody showed them how to do it. They came up with this stuff, right? So it's, it's, it is out of the normal. And I think this is one of the the fundamental things that separates humans from all other life on this planet is that we are creative. We can make connections to these crazy things. We can make, you know, these unique things, these creative things out of elastic bands and, and, you know, twigs. Right. So then from that step, we leap to something else. And that's the, the, you know, here we are, right. With landing, uh, going to be landing people on the moon or Mars. I mean, right. We've already landed people on the moon. Right. Apparently, maybe we didn't. Maybe that was just the grand illusion, right? But uh, apparently, we have enough technology to fool people into thinking that we landed on the moon. So either way, the point is still valid. So <laughs> this leads me to sort of understand maybe why, when you read about research, that there's a lot of research by I don't want to call them the establishment. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But there's whoever's paying for it. Somebody's paying for the research. You could probably find out if you dig deep. Uh, I'm not going to bother, but it would be interesting to find out. It's probably China because China's giving a lot of money to a lot of the universities. Anyway, so the, the, the they're they're studying uh, groupthink and how to get zombies. They don't not literal zombies, but people who are part of collectives to think creatively like an individual would, but still maintain their their drone status and and be you know, uh, drones to the master of whatever the narrative is of their collective ideology, right? Which is really twisted. I don't know if I mentioned dreams yet or not, but this, uh, it's, it's a lot like dreams. You know, you have the random shit in your, in your memories and it's all sort of thrown together while you're sleeping and, and you're trying to make sense of it. And there's a rational part of your mind that seems to be turned off, well, at least mostly turned off when you're dreaming. Right. That's why you can have these irrational dreams that don't make sense when you wake up. But while you're asleep, everything seems to make sense because you don't have a rational. Maybe that's what it's like being a woman. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a, the ra- there's a rational part of our brain that seems to be turned off when we're sleeping. So I think this, this probably still happens when we're awake. Uh, but our perceptions, you know, from our senses are drowning out all the, the weak signal from that, you know, because, you know, it's a, it's a pretty faint signal I think and so you know your your sight your sound your hearing your sense of touch your sense of smell you know your your awareness of everything that's going on like this is drowning out that random noise so that happens when you're when you're sleeping so I'm, I'm curious if this is true if my if my hypothesis is true that I think that if you went to an isolation chamber uh it would you would your senses would be like you wouldn't your sight, sound, all that stuff, right? And, and it's a neutral body temperature, whatever the water is they put you in, right? So it, you would begin to, with everything else turned off, you would begin to feel like you're dreaming because now you would see that that random noise, that part of your brain that keeps, you know, has all these crazy creative random noise generator, whatever it is, you would see it, but you'd be wide awake in a, I got to try this. It'd be interesting. I want to try one of those isolation chambers because I think that that probably what would happen if, if, if it's true. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm going to have to try that someday. So pondering and reflection is a vector of attack uh, by the manipulator. You know, they can, both sides. So they can incept ideas into targets, you know, where the target believes they came up with the idea on their own. And this is a powerful tool and, and hard for people to believe that they've been duped. 
you know, unless they know this process can happen and then they have a chance of realizing that they've been duped before it's too late, possibly, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, what ideas do you think you've had or do I think I've had that perhaps may have been incepted by somebody else? You know, some commercials, you know, hey, it's uh, go for McDonald's or, or KFC, you know, some junk food, right? Or, you know, maybe something a little more uh, bigger than that, right? Who knows? Um, if, if it works and it's happening, why would it not happen to me? Why would I not have these ideas that I think I came up with? That I didn't. Maybe this whole podcast was been uh, incepted into me by some, you know, go make a podcast and bramble on like an idiot, right? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. So, are there, uh, are there, uh, you know, are there other dimensional creatures incepting ideas, right? Is is there? Are we living in a hologram? You know, yeah. would we want to know, or should we want to know if we're living in a hologram? You know, if you, if you. If you find out that you're living in a hologram, that would kind of ruin the ride. And uh, if we're not in a hologram, then it's just a waste of energy to pursue that idea. So it's kind of like, eh, why bother, right? Either either ignore it or, you know, I guess you could examine it if you're curious and, you know, might give you some joy to examine, are we living in a hologram? But, I mean, logic would dictate that it's not a priority to find that out either way. But uh, there's nothing wrong with exploring the idea of curiosity is, is driving, you know, you to find out. I don't know how you would find out if it's possible to even find out. I don't know. I don't think it is. But uh, I don't think that there are uh, any paths of exploration that should not be pursued by, by humanity. There might be, but I can't think of one right now. So somebody should probably pursue that. <laughs> you know, assuming, assuming we are in a hologram, what would that mean? You know, would your values change? Does this mean that other player, other people are non-player characters, NPCs, like in a game? Or are we in a multiplayer game where there are, these other people are actually valid people, right? Who knows? Maybe they are, maybe you're the only person, right? It gets crazy when you start thinking about that stuff. And if, if it's a hologram, you know, if it is a hologram, you know, at, at, the, at least we can enjoy how high quality the definition is, you know, from, you know, low light and, and your water and, uh, you know, the sound of wind in the trees and kumbaya, motherfuckers. <laughs> Life is simple. See you uh, next podcast.